Day 11 of Shaped by the Word, Season 2, The Drama of Scripture. And it certainly has been dramatic from the moment of creation and the fall, uh, ultimately ending in every inclination of men's heart, all the time being toward evil and God's judgment of all of creation and at the same time his rescue uh, of a remnant, uh, both of every creature that he had made and also of, of man himself. And so we have a fresh beginning and it feels good for a little while but we soon learn that man's inclinations from childhood are are still toward evil and still away from god and so there is a continuing uh, downward trajectory and that takes us all the way to chapter 11 uh, the tower of babel where man builds a monument for himself in the name of god but god sees the inclination of his heart and scatters him and all of his pride. So as we turn to, by the way, I'm Paul Camp here with David Keefe and Cindy Camp and Matt Kresge. Uh, as we turn to the Tower of Babel, uh, Cindy, why don't you lift us up with a word of prayer? Sure. Father, we, um, just like Paul said, know that our hearts have that continual inclination of, of uh, sin and just following our own way, Father. And we just ask that by your word you would um, speak to our hearts and uh cause us, Father, to turn from lesser things and to turn to you. And we thank you that you've provided a way that we would um, be able to do that, and that is through your Son. And we thank you for that. Be with us as we look at your word now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shadar and settled there. And they said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so we'll not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it's called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. This is the account of Shem's family line. Two years after the flood, when Shem was 100 years old, he became the father of Arphaxad. And after he became the father of Arphaxad, Sam lived 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arphaxad had lived 35 years, he became the father of Shelah. And after he became the father of Shelah, Arphaxad lived 403 years and had other sons and daughters. Shelah had lived 30 years, he became the father of Eber. And after he became the father of Eber, Shelah lived 403 years and had other sons and daughters. Whenever he lived 34 years, he became the father of Peleg. And after he became the father of Peleg, Eber lived 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he became the father of Ru. And after he became the father of Ru, Peleg lived 209 years and had other sons and daughters. When Reu had lived 32 years, he became the father of Sarug. And after he became the father of Sarug, Reu lived 207 years and had other sons and daughters. And Serug had lived 30 years and became the father of Nahor. And after he became the father of Nahor, Serug lived 200 years and had other sons and daughters. When Nahor had lived 29 years, he became the father of Terah. And after he became the father of Terah, Nahor lived 119 years and had other sons and daughters. And Terah had lived 70 years. He became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. 
Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abraham and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was a daughter of Haran, and the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarah was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. So we move uh, from the Tower of Babel to the family line of Abram, and of course we're uh, tracing uh, the godly line of Shem, who has been blessed uh, by Noah because of his willingness to cover, you know, to cover over sin, and it leads to one grand chapter that we're about to enter into uh, in the drama of Scripture, uh, the chapter of redemption. But before we face redemption, we have the final chapter of the fall, which is a plain in Shinar called Babel. And interestingly enough, there's a play on words here in the text. The word Babel means gate, gate of God. Uh, but at the end, uh, you use a play on the word. The word Babel means confusion. So it means from the high ambition of bringing the gods down to our level uh, or going up to the gods level, you know, on another extent, to the confusion of all mankind as they build a monument to themselves. So what are some of the things other than uh, the long lives of these guys that stand out to you as you read this passage? I'm just glad we've all shaken that I, that notion to make a name for ourselves, right? <laughs> like, yeah, they did it back then, but absolutely. we definitely don't do that today. Never. Yeah. I love no. the, the note in the text where, you know, they say, come, let us build a city with the tower that reaches to the heavens. You know, so we may make a name for ourselves. And, mm-hmm. and then immediately God's response to them is, let us go down and see the city and the tower they've built. What is, that? It's such <laughs> a, what is that tiny little thing yeah. you're doing down there? That's all you made? Uh, yeah. Come, yeah. The come, heavens and the earth. Let me see if I could go down so I can absolutely see it. And, and that is, you know, that tower, is bro. kind of a nice play in the text. Yeah. You know, let's build a tower that goes up to God. And God says, I'm going to have to come down can't even see it from here. in order to even see, you know, what you, you know, what you have done and what is grand and what is great in our eyes, obviously, is uh, many times of no consequence at all in God's eyes. Yeah. You know, the Tower of Babel is one of those events as well that is going to get picked up in the New Testament, you know, where in Acts, when we begin to see, you know, where God scatters people here. And we see this this babble and this confusion in in Acts when the Spirit comes. It's this regathering of God's people, and no longer is there a confusion, you know, but but understanding. Um, and, and so this is one of those moments that, you know, it may seem just kind of like a random event that shows up, um, but we're going to see these these moments reappear. No, that is you know a huge movement. You know, the scattering of the nations to the gathering mm. on the day of Pentecost, and of course, you know, Luke will tell us uh, you know, that he gathered his people from every nation under the earth. Mm. Uh, and, and of course, he's, he's making reference to this. Mm-hmm. And we're through the work of the Spirit, or the work of the Spirit, uh, and the gift you know, of speaking in tongues. Everyone heard them speaking in their own language, so this is the beginning of God uh, bringing humanity back together and restoring them under, under, the, under, the, uh, under the gift of the, through the gift of the Holy Spirit and of the gospel. So this is a nice, you know, kind of bookend, uh, you know, from a fall to creation or recreation, and even moving past Acts, as we see the, the the church kind of sent out to take 
the good news of Christ to the ends of the earth. We see that really great and wonderful day in Revelation 7 where, you know, John's looking out and sees that great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne of God. And so just seeing kind of them being scattered here, knowing that as we move through the story, we'll see them regathered back to the Creator. And we, we do not need to miss, you know, as I'm, we've already alluded to, the heart of the sin and the nature of the sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is a, you know, a, a ziggurat, which a, you know, Babylon was you know, famous for. Uh, and so it went both into the depths of the earth and reached you know, to the top of the sky. And the, the whole idea was either to you know, bring us up to God's level or to bring God you know, down to our level. And it does, you know, represent, you know, on the on the outside, very noble, you know, task, you know, for you know, men to be in fellowship with God. But it's a very manipulative task. They're using God for their own ends. And of course, you have the original, you know, the the original temptation for us to elevate ourselves, becoming like God, or to bring God down to our level, rather than, you know, worshiping God for who He is and manipulating God for our purposes, rather than submitting to the purposes of God. So this, again, is the heart of you know, the same you know, creational sin where we look to ourselves rather than looking to God for what is good and best for us as people created in His image. I thought it was kind of curious that they said, let's build this for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And then when God comes down to it, he, he confuses them, but then he scatters them over the face of the whole earth. So and, the thing that they course, were hanging yeah. on to was not, yeah, so. Yeah, but of course, the uh, uh, creation account was for them to fill the earth, and mm-hmm. rather than fill the earth, they're gathering together in a city. And mm-hmm. so they are, mm-hmm. you know, defying the purpose of God, and God accomplishes his purpose through through judgment mm-hmm. in a rather, in a rather than through grace. Mm-hmm. Of course, every judgment is grace. Let's be very careful with our theology. It's a, a reminder to me as well as we read this chapter, and you, I'm not going to rehearse all the names that you did, <laughs> you know, but you see this long list of names, and you see years atta- attached to it, and you know, we just don't have an affinity for genealogies. But this is a reminder to us as well that that God is He doesn't act according to our time frame or according to our plan, and, and we know we're waiting on that seed of the woman to mm-hmm. come, and it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years until we really even get a, a notion that God's going to do something. And when we meet, when we meet, you know, or when we meet Abram, this, this man who God is, we know going to, to make promises to and going to use, um, we, we get this curious note that the way God's going to start this process is through Abram and Sarah, who was childless because she was not able to conceive. No, and that, you have that question, God, what are you doing? You know, the seed of the woman, and you're going to start with a barren mm-hmm. you know, woman. Mm-hmm. Especially as he's named all these names of people who had been having kids all this time. <laughs> and then we get this one couple, and he's like, we know later on, he's, in the next chapter, he's going to use Abram. And it's like, but they can't have kids. Like, yeah, kind of a... And, and it's a very important heading yeah. for the next few chapters that mm-hmm. this is going to ultimately be a work of God and not a work of yep. man. It's not right. going to be something that you know comes about you know, naturally. And of course, there's also the contrast that's made in the New Testament of a young woman. Uh, who is is childless not because she's old and barren but because he uh, has not been in relationship you know with with a, with a young man and, and the supernatural work of God in our salvation 
you know, as well. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a big part of you know, Israel's history, yeah. you know, as, as we build up to that. But we've had the promise in Genesis, you know, chapter 3 of the seed of woman one day striking a blow to the seed of the serpent, even though it will come, you know, at the price of, of, a, of a great wound. And, and so you see the godly line of Seth being preserved, and now you see the godly, you know, line of Shem, you know, being preserved. And you see God with this, you know, which will be a big part of the story of Scripture. You know, a, a small remnant of people uh, who are faithful to Him and through which He accomplishes His purposes. So a lot of times you can have grand plans where, you know, we make a name for ourselves. You know, like Babel, God's plan is is he chooses the foolish things of the world, uh, the, mm-hmm. uh, the weak things of this world to confound you know, the wise. And of course, Jeremiah will say, you know, let not the rich man boast in his riches of the strong man in his strength. Mm-hmm. Or you know, the fast, let he who boasts boast in this, that he knows and understands me. And this is God's way with people in redemption as he builds toward uh, this really nice chapter of the story mm-hmm. where he works, moves toward us through Abraham, through Israel, uh, through Jesus for our redemption. Mm-hmm. I was even looking at the uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible as they were kind of talking about the story of Babel, which, you know, she does such a great job in that. And Katie's reading technical yeah. commentaries and, <laughs> yeah. and David's, read, David's nice. reading children's books, yes. Yeah, but we always say, I mean, it's a great accompaniment to reading through the narrative of Scripture because she does such a great job of, of helping us see Christ through all these kind of stories that we're reading through that oftentimes I go, how do you find Jesus in that? And she just had one line I thought was so cool talking about how these people are trying to build their way up to God and actually seeing the futility of all that and how actually one day he would actually send from, they're trying to build up to heaven, but one day he would send from heaven down to earth his son. And uh, so I love getting to see that that picture of us trying to achieve this kind of salvation project in some form or fashion and knowing is completely futile, but God in his wonderful plan sent his son actually down to us in order to accomplish what now, we can never do on our own. Even if I were teaching a sem- seminary level class on a, you know, the narrative scripture, I'd have him read Sally Lloyd-Jones. And uh, this is uh, obviously from years of sitting under Tim Keller's teaching mm-hmm. and uh, seeing what you know, Luke will tell us that uh, all of this points to Christ and every bit of scripture from the prophets and the, and the writings uh, uh, point to him from Moses the prophets in the writing mm-hmm. so it is a, uh, the beginning of a, a beautiful redemptive story that as man has already you know pointed out will take place when God's way and God's timing which seems so foreign to us mm-hmm. because it seems so slow and so mm-hmm. small mm-hmm. but uh, God in his grace is moving to our ultimate redemption mm-hmm. Heavenly Father thank you for the grace we find in Jesus uh, that does uh, find us where we are and all of our efforts to make a name for ourselves. You move toward us uh, with a name that is above all names. And he gave himself for us. And, and we have been redeemed not because of righteous or great things that we have done, but according to your mercy. It's in your holy name we pray with gratitude for your grace. Amen. Amen.